0: It's good to be back with everyone this week. Um, Again, we are in an empty church uh, as the coronavirus scare continues to travel around the world. Um, More and more of the world is shutting down. I was in contact with one of my good friends in South Africa today. And she said that their, their time tomorrow at midnight, that country will also go into lockdown. We've watched the world economy begin to evaporate The United States is trying to pass, our Congress is trying to pass, a $2 trillion uh, economic stimulus package, which um, sounds good, except if there's nowhere to spend the money, I don't know how it's going to stimulate the economy if everybody's stuck inside and all the businesses are closed. People are in absolute fear, so much so that I was told by someone who's a spouse works for the police department or one of the state trooper departments in one of the 50 United States, that they have been told that even if people are speeding, not to stop them and give them a ticket for fear of acquiring the virus. Fear has completely taken over. Uh, And we are watching uh, what happens when people kind of melt into fear. So tonight it's a Wednesday night that we're recording this prayer meeting time. We are going to go into our third part of this series, COVID 19, Not Afraid, part three. And I encourage you to follow along um, as we look at the impact uh, that uh, this virus, this epidemic, this pandemic now is having on the world. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to, to study your word. Lord, I ask in a very special way that you make me once again just a rusty, sorry nail hammered into a wall. On that nail, Lord, again, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. I don't even know what to say anymore, Lord. And that's best because I ask instead that you speak through me. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. As we look at this epidemic and what is going on, I was trying to figure out uh, where in the Bible to come from. We're going to get back to Matthew chapter 24 to finish out the chapter. But I want to go to Matthew chapter 11. Starting at verse 20, the Bible says, Then began he to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Verse 21, he calls the cities out. Verse 21, Jesus says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. If you looked at my first slide, you saw the symbolism here of a city uh, looking down into a city at a a major intersection. The theme for tonight is the cities. The cities are now really the the focal point of this epidemic. One of the reasons this epidemic, in my opinion, and I, I am someone who has a doctorate both in medicine and in public health, and I've worked in public health for many years, one of the reasons I don't think this virus is going to behave as predicted all over the world is because of the impact cities have on pandemics and epidemics. What is not being talked about when we talk about the coronavirus, COVID-19, is air quality in some of the places where this thing has done a lot of damage um, and density of population in some of those places. It would be very difficult for a state like Montana to have the same uh, epidemiological curve as New York City or Wuhan, China. And we're not talking about that. We're not talking about lifestyle factors. We're not talking about what percentage of populations in some of these places smoke. Um, in the United States, there's been a lot of talk about younger people getting the virus and getting very ill. In fact, we had a 12-year-old, an 18-year-old in the United States that's gotten quite ill. Or one or I think one of them died. Uh, But we're not talking, and I I would probably exclude the 12- and 18-year-old, but when you talk about 20- to 53-year-olds who are getting this and getting sick, we're not talking about vaping, we're not talking about marijuana smoking um, or exposure to pollution again. I think that there are other factors that might make this virus more lethal, um, more contagious uh, than we're thinking. We are kind of blanketing, and what they're doing is, is creating a lot of fear by finding one case of a severe illness or a death and really talking a lot about that one or that one cluster. And we're not talking much about the thousands of people that we are intentionally deciding not to even test because all they really have are minor symptoms. So what's happened is disproportionately we are pushing people towards fear um, when most people overwhelmingly... Um, aren't even going to get sick from this. And those who do, the overwhelming majority are going to fully recover. Um, so we are looking at a time when fear has really become the tactic. And the cities are a quintessential piece of this. It's as if this is a city born disease, uh, and it's going to spread and, and hover in certain cities. And, and I think we'll see that long, in the long run, the cities are going to be far more impacted than rural areas are. In this part of the book of Matthew, Jesus is speaking to two cities. He is upset in a sense. He has worked great wonders in Chorazin and in Bethsaida. He's done mighty works there and they have not repented. They have not come to him. And so Jesus says very clearly here that if what he had done in those cities had been done in Tyre and Sidon, those cities would have repented. I want to submit to you that when you look at what's going on in the world, it's as if There's a reckoning happening. And I don't mean the virus. I mean the reaction to the virus. We live in a world where everybody thought peace and safety. And now everyone is thinking sudden destruction. The cities are on edge. Cities are on lockdown. States are on lockdown now. And we are looking at this, and and it's almost as if God is saying, you have ignored the great works that were done among you. The years of preaching, the years of truth all of the uh, the ways that we have ignored uh, the truths of scripture as a society turned our backs on anything spiritual and have turned to everything secular and humanistic. It's as if not the virus now, our, our fear speaks to the fact that we have nothing we can believe in and nothing we can trust. And instead of the gospel or the Bible being the rule of the land, something as fickle as the media now determines the collective emotion Im- emotional temperament of entire societies. The world is in trouble. Just as these cities were then. In fact, Jesus in verse 22 of Matthew 11, Jesus says, but I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at at the day of judgment than for you. He says, listen, in fact, some of the places that did not get the great works, they did not know Jesus Christ. They did not have the Judeo-Christian background. They did not have the full scope of truth. It will be more tolerable for them on the day of judgment. For cities like New York, Paris, and other places where the gospel of Jesus Christ was once known, all over Europe parts of Australia and and even uh, southern Africa, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for places that rejected God with very limited information than for those who have systematically and intentionally rejected the word of God. Verse 23, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, It would have remained until this day. Jesus says, in fact, there are some miracles and great things that have happened that had they been done in the cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities, rather than being overthrown by fire and brimstone, those cities would remain until today, which speaks volumes to the fact that there is no region that is not uh, able to be won to Christ if we are willing to go in and do great works for him there. Says in verse 24, but I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. As this pandemic circles the world, a lot of people, it's funny. One, one of the nurses I used to work with reached out to me and she said, Listen, Dr. Walsh, is this the end of the world? She's someone who doesn't, she believes in God and, and, and would say she's a Christian, but is kind of not been following a Christian life, no longer goes to church. He says, Dr. Walsh, is this the end of the world? Is it all over? And let me say this, it is the fear of man. Now that man realizes that nature is so powerful that one small invisible virus can come on the scene and literally cause the entire world to go into panic. People are asking the question, are we even safe? Is this the end of the world? Well, let me tell you something, church, who ought to be most concerned are not those who don't know God, but those of us who do. Because you see, Bethsaida, as well as Capernaum, were cities that knew God. These were cities where the word of God was taught, where people were raised in quote unquote church and went to Christian schools. These were places where they were supposed to know God. And this is why Jesus says, I've worked these mighty works among people who should have known what might, what the mighty works really meant. And they have rejected me. So it's going to actually be more tolerable for the pagans currently living in Tyre and Sidon. And historically, even for those who lived in Sodom, it will be more tolerable for them on the day of judgment because they did, they, they did not know what you know. This panic and fear that you see spreading the the globe is as much an indictment on those who should know prophecy and not be afraid as it is on those who are panicking and have no idea why. Education, page 140, Ellen White says it like this. She says, the reason that the church is weak and inefficient is that there is a want of the grace of Christ among those who profess the truth for these last days. She says that in fact the church is in trouble, it's inefficient because many of the people who show up to church every Sabbath, every weekend, those who show up to church, in fact, they don't have the grace of Christ among them. They don't, have not experienced what it means to have God fully forgive them of their sins and liberate them from their past. There are those who are still, even inside the truth, trying to work their way into salvation. That's why a pandemic is so scary. Because people think, oh my goodness, this is judgment against me. I don't know why it says, if the Lord has ever spoken by me, There is sin of almost every character cherished by many who claim to be children of God. And unless they separate themselves from Satan and cling to Jesus our righteousness, the woe of God will be upon those who have had great light and yet have chosen to walk in darkness. She's not speaking to the world here. She's speaking to the church that in fact there are those who come to church every Sabbath who are not clinging to God, not clinging to his grace and mercy. They are clinging to Satan. Not chosen to walk in the light that's been given them every week from the pulpit and in the word of God. They have chosen to walk in darkness. Ellen White goes on, she says, it is a fearful thing. To have great light and blessing, to have many opportunities and privileges, and yet to make no saving use of them. Those who do not make a saving use of their opportunities will be condemned by the privileges God has granted to them. But those who walk in the light will have increased light. The question you've got to ask in the middle of this pandemic, while you're, while many of us are stuck at home, uh, curfews now ring out. We have curfews even here in Connecticut, that you can't be out after a certain time. Uh, as you're stuck at home, ask yourself the question, uh, are you walking in the light or are you walking in darkness? Because my Bible tells me if you walk in the light, you'll have increased light. What that means is that you may not start off with a whole lot of light. You may not start out with your life where you want it to be. You may not be living a perfect Christian life. But if you're willing to follow the little bit of light as it is revealed to you, as it is given to you, the light will become more light. You will become It will become brighter and brighter if you follow the light. But if you choose to follow the light only when it benefits you or when it's easy for you, that means by default, much of the time, you will choose to walk in darkness to avoid the light. She said, those who have had the light of truth, yet have failed to walk in the light, are under the same sentence of condemnation as were Chorazin and Bethsaida. Then she asked the question, shall not these warnings be heeded? That's what this, listen, this this pandemic is a warning. It's not going to pan out the way they say. What it is is a warning, a clarion cry, one, that we live in a fragile world, as I said in the first episode of this. We live in a fragile world that can come apart at any time. That all the things we assume to be the standard of living, sports games, restaurants, uh, toilet paper not being fought over in a grocery store. All the things we took for granted, what we find now as we look at it is none of it is for sure. This isn't uh, in and of itself the end of all things. It is a warning that the end of all things is is coming. Shall not these admonitions have weight with us? If this pandemic doesn't cause some of us who have turned from God to reevaluate and ask ourselves, what is it and who is it that we trust? The governments of the world don't even know what to do. Look at the responses from all over the world. It's all over the place. There are countries who have completely controlled this thing, and there are other countries where it's running amok. There are countries where they don't even have places to bury people. You can't trust man. Ellen White says the admonitions that Christ gives, they should have weight with us. This pandemic is speaking to you as an individual. Wake up for your redemption draweth nigh. In the near future, Ellen White goes on to say, it will be seen just who have been walking humbly with God and who have been obeying his orders. This pandemic is starting to let you know who really trusts God. I mean, there are people who are so afraid right now and they call themselves Christian. How can you be this afraid? And persecution hasn't even started yet. white says those who have been walking in the sparks of their own kindling will lie down in sorrow. It will be seen that they have made a terrible mistake. Oh, let us awake. Light is now shining. Let the windows of the mind and heart be opened to welcome the heaven sent rays. Shall Jesus say of those who profess to obey the truth and yet who fail to walk in his light? Shall Jesus say, as he says in Matthew 13, 14, and 15, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For the people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart and should be converted. And look at the last part of this, and I should heal them. Spirit of prophecy quotes Christ here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, where Isaiah is being quoted as saying, Listen, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. She's saying that there are those, even in this time of pandemic. Again, let me reiterate, we are having earthquakes everywhere. Salt Lake City had one last week. We've had earthquakes in the Caribbean. All around the globe, earthquakes are happening. Prophecy fulfilled. We had a fire in Australia. Uh, Earlier this year or late last year, a billion animals killed, unprecedented fires... Not to mention the fires that always happen in California and around the world. We are looking at natural disasters on all sides and calamities from all faces. We are at the brink of war at all times with Iran, just to name one country that America is 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 at fisticuffs with. We are, the prophecies are fulfilled and it's as if some of us who should know these prophecies are pretending they don't exist. One of my pastors used to say, if you don't want to believe these prophecies, if you won't read the Bible to get these prophecies, you will find these prophecies on the cover of the Time and Newsweek magazines. Let me tell you, be, now you can look at CNN and, 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 and Fox News or whatever you like, MSNBC. You can look at all the news, BBC. You can look at all the news channels, Al Jazeera. And what you will find, if you, if you know your Bible at all, is that the prophecies are being fulfilled. Even if you refuse to read your Bible. And Jesus says, if you, if, but if, if, if you will listen and see with your eyes and hear with your ears and should understand with your heart, if you'll understand with your mind what is going on. This is why Isaiah 1.18 says, come, let us reason together. For your sin, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He says, if you'll do that, if you'll understand, he says, you'll be converted. And I like what Jesus says here, and I shall heal them. Listen, the world is sick. As this pandemic rages, we are finding shortages of ventilators for hospitals. Weak in America, the richest country in the world, are concerned that we don't have enough masks. People are starting to make masks out of cloth, which doesn't protect you from virus necessarily. That's where we're going to. In in the richest country in the world, people are getting sick from this virus and and getting very ill. The virus is real. But here's what's crazy. Christ wants to heal us. And healing comes from understanding, from reasoning with God, as Isaiah 118 says. And he, you will be converted and you'll be healed. Matthew finishes this way. Verse 25 says, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Then Jesus says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. In other words, if you really want to know the Father, Christ has to reveal him to you. And why does Jesus say that? Because he ends Matthew 11, the the last three verses here that we'll read, end like this. He says, come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden. Jesus says, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, come unto me. Some of us are laboring under the weight of this pandemic. People are panicked, they're afraid, their 401k, their retirement is in jeopardy, their retirement money is in jeopardy, the children are out of school, there are people who won't have a senior year of high school, so all of the normal things they do, it's been washed away, businesses that are floundering or failing, and I want you to turn to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, when you feel like you're overwhelmed. I want you to be reminded that Jesus says, come to me. Take your fear, take your doubt to Christ. If you're laboring and and this thing is getting heavy for you, take it to him. He has promised, and you can put this promise in the middle of your prayer. He has promised to give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? What is Jesus like? He's meek. He's humble. He's lowly in heart. He says, you find that, you'll find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You've got to be able to recognize who Christ is as a simple, humble person. Someone who gave up the glories of heaven to be born in a filthy manger. The spirit of prophecy tells us even Lucifer, even Satan, when he saw Jesus in the manger, even Satan couldn't believe someone who was once so exalted at the place where Satan wanted to go would come so low to be born in a stinking manger. But you got to know who he is because the false Christ. Is one of the things that the last days are going to show. Matthew 24 and verse 21 says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, known, nor ever shall be. Remember that we talked about Matthew 24. There are two events being prophesied about, the fall of uh, Jerusalem, uh, 40 years after Christ, and the end of the world. Now Jesus is talking about the end of the world. He says, look, there's a time coming where the tribulation is going to be severe. We talked about that a little bit too. I noticed today that there, that, um, Um, there's there's a move for people to start trying to go back to work and back to school. Many of them are going to be chastised if they have an outbreak of this virus. One of the great Christian universities of America just announced that they're going to send everybody back to school. And let me tell you that if they have an outbreak, it's going to be as if Christianity is to blame. So there's going to be tribulation, and and we talked about why tribulation is going to come. The whole world is going to pivot and start to say, who is it? It's these people's fault that we have this pandemic. It's these people's fault that these calamities keep happening. It's these people's fault, and they're going to turn on us, and there's going to be tribulation as the world begins to rock and reel like a woman in labor, as it begins to come apart at the seams, as death and destruction is everywhere, and plague after plague. I also said this before. If there are seven last plagues in Revelation that will not harm the, the people of God, that means that there are plagues that will come before the last plagues or they wouldn't be the last plagues so there are plagues that will come before and just like in Egypt when Israel had to live through the 10 plagues um, that were that were put upon Egypt and and the Hebrews had to live through it the first three affected the Hebrews and the Egyptians but the last seven only affected the Egyptians and the last one would only would affect anyone who did not put blood on the post of their house and I submit to you, as this plague is circulating the globe, make sure the blood of the lamb is on the doorpost of your heart. Jesus says, and except those days should be shortened, Matthew 24, there should no flesh be saved. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. This is one of the reasons I believe the spirit of prophecy says that the last events will be rapid ones. Because the last days are going to be shortened. For the elect's sake, they will be shortened. Jesus says, behold, I told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. And one of the reasons Jesus says this after he says what he says earlier and what we just quoted, he, he one of the ways that you will know false Christ from the real Christ is the character and temperament of Christ is self-sacrificing. It is humble, it is meek, and it is lowly. What is about to happen is that great pomp and fashion uh uh, incredible uh uh, ego and size is going to step onto the scene and the false Christ are going to come on in fact the Bible says uh that even Satan shall be transformed into an angel of light at some point Lucifer himself will impersonate Jesus Christ in all kinds of glory and fanfare and some will believe that the Christ has come and that all of the all of the prophecies of all of the religions of the world of some form of a coming Messiah has been fulfilled but the real Christian will not run after that false Christ because you'll remember that Jesus is meek and lowly. And it's not just the location that will will allow you to know that it's not Christ, but it'll also be the character that will tell you that it is not the real Christ. Verse 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east, shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There'll be no secret rapture, Just like when lightning flashes across the sky, you cannot keep that lightning a secret. There's thunder and lightning. So even if there's a cloud cover, you can hear the thunder and you see behind the clouds light up. When Jesus comes, it will be a flash around the world. Then Jesus says, for wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. Will the eagles be gathered together? Then he says, after this tribulation that I talked about, this amazing and incredible tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. We could get into that, but some of these prophecies have been fulfilled. Um, But it speaks to the fact that the earth itself is going to be in convulsion. And I think you can see that happening now. We talk a lot about climate change, but the Bible has prophesied that the world itself is going to be in trouble. Jesus says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They're going to look up and see it. And the Bible says that the tribes of earth will mourn. Listen, people are mourning over this virus. They ought to be, getting, they ought to be preparing to not have to mourn at the second coming and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and he shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other, so the last days will be shortened for the elect's sake, and the angels will come, and they will collect the elect. They will be taken up like Elijah was in that chariot of fire. I call it a holy ghost uber. Elijah came and scooped him up from off the ground and took him to heaven. Each one of us will have an angel appointed to come and re- re- uh, receive us as we are taken into heaven with Christ. Jesus finishes this thing by saying, listen, learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know summer is about to come. So likewise, when you begin to see all these things that you read about in Matthew chapter 4, 24, know that it is near even at the doors. He says, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all things be fulfilled. That's speaking of the fall of Jerusalem. And then he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Then he speaks about the second coming in verse 36. But of that day and hour, no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Only the father, he says here, knows. So when people try and predict dates and tell you when he's coming, don't Listen. Verse 37 says but as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be the cities for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away Jesus finishes Matthew 24 and says so shall also the coming Of the Son of Man be. I believe that we are just at the door of the second coming. And I think what's frightening is when you read these last three passages, these last four, 37, 38, and 39, the last three passages of Matthew 24, Jesus doesn't use Tyre and Sidon or Sodom, he uses the antediluvian world. What Jesus is basically saying is we're people are gonna think everything is as it should be. The world is gonna go on. Man will try to to to, to vaccinate himself against. All of the tribulation and problems, the environmental concerns, man is going to try and solve and fix everything so that he can go back to life as it were, so that the football games can begin again in the stadiums, so that everything will go back as it were. And when man thinks he's fixed everything, peace and safety, low, sudden destruction will come. When man is back to marrying and giving in marriage and everything is all normal, just like when Noah entered the ark, The flood came and took all of them away. Let me tell you something, church. It is time to get in the ark because a flood is coming. Like we used to sing in in AY or MV even when I was even younger, like we used to sing in church in the afternoon, it won't be water, but fire next time. I want to be in the ark of safety. The ark of safety is to be in Jesus Christ. To know him as your personal savior, to be covered and washed by the blood of the lamb so that when the plagues come like they came on Egypt, when that last plague hit and the doorpost was covered with the blood of a lamb, the the, the angel of death passed over that house. Didn't matter if you were an Egyptian or, or a Hebrew. If the blood of the lamb was applied, you were spared. The firstborn was spared. Let me tell you something. It is time to get in the ark. It is time to be sure that the blood of Jesus Christ has been put on the doorpost of your heart. The world is afraid of a virus when something much greater is about to happen. Jesus is about to return. And it is our job as the church to lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Because church, Jesus is coming again. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for these passages in Matthew 11 and Matthew chapter 24. We thank you, Father, for being merciful to us. And our Lord, you've given us warning. This virus, this pandemic is not the end of the world. It is a warning for us to get in the ark, a warning to be sure that the blood of the lamb is on the doorposts of our hearts and on the hearts of our families Father God, I am praying right now that your Holy Ghost would touch all who hear this message. It's not about me, Lord. This is about the truth in the word and about the soon coming king who is Jesus Christ. Oh, Father God, when some who hear this hear it, they may wonder if they have done too much wrong to be accepted by you. Lord, remind them the blood of Jesus Christ still washes, it still cleanses. And that if they're willing to walk into the ark, you're willing to receive them. This is our prayer, that we would all be received into into the protection that is in Jesus Christ. As our prayer, as the world panics, let us remember, Lord, that you'll give us rest. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse